Hello and welcome to Peace of Mind, a podcast about mental health, psychiatric conditions and the science behind them. I'm Paul Gauci, the Communications Manager at the National Centre for Mental Health. And in today's episode, we're talking about 22Q11.2 deletion syndrome, or 22Q for short. I'm joined by Mariana Vandenbury, a professor at Cardiff University's MRC Centre for Neuropsychiatric Genetics and Genomics, and by Katie and John, whose daughter was diagnosed with 22Q around a year ago. So thanks for joining us, guys. Um, I think the best place to start is um, finding out a little bit more about what 22Q actually is. So, Mariana, what can you tell us about 22Q? Uh, 22Q11.2 deletion syndrome is a genetic condition. It is caused by the deletion of a small fragment of DNA on one of an individual's two chromosomes, 22. Um, and um, uh, although this is a tiny fragment, it has been estimated that it uh, may contain um, about 40 or more genes. Um, individuals with 22Q deletion syndrome um, can have a quite a range of different outcomes. It has been estimated that uh, there may be more than 180 possible outcomes associated with the condition. And this includes possible physical health problems, um, such as um, a baby could be born with a heart defect or with facial clefting, clefting of the lip or of the palate. Um, they have a higher risk of epilepsy um, and also um, immunological dysfunction, which could mean that the child could be much more prone to infections whilst growing up, such as ear infections and chest infections. Um, children with the deletion are also um, often uh, somewhat slower to reach their developmental milestones, such as learning to sit up and learning to walk and later on learning to ride a bike. Um, and um, they can have more difficulties with learning uh, and thinking processes than uh, typically developing children. And there is also an increased risk of uh, several psychiatric disorders in children with this condition, including uh, ADHD and autism and anxiety disorder. And in um, adulthood, there is an increased risk of depression and of schizophrenia. And um, the, the puzzle at the moment, though, is that although um, all individuals with 22Q deletion have approximately the same size deletion with approximately the same 40 genes, there is a great variability in the outcomes. Um, and some of the children in our study are virtually unaffected in any of the domains I just mentioned. And other children have experienced uh, quite severe problems in quite a range of the different domains. At the moment, we don't really understand why this variability occurs. And this is one of the important questions we try to answer with our study. Okay, so you, so you mentioned your study. So that, that's the ECHO study. That is um, correct, yes. Yeah. Um, so what, how, many, how many families or children have taken part in that study so far? Uh, at the moment, about 200 um, children and adults with 22Q deletion syndrome have taken part, uh, and also approximately 600 individuals with other uh, genetic syndromes that are associated with a, a high risk of developmental issues and psychiatric disorders. Okay, great. And Katie and John, I th your, your daughter has taken part in the ECHO study. Um, yes, it, yes, it happened um, earlier this year. Um, yeah, and, and basically, I once I, Ivy was diagnosed, we got on Google and looked at a lot of different things, and the ECHO study was one of the things that came up. Um, and obviously, we, we live in Cardiff, so we're you know that just round the corner for us. So um, we were really keen to find out more about the study and and get involved. Yeah, and I think um, at the time, because I mean, as 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 has already been mentioned, there's 
some information out there about 22Q deletion, but not a great deal. The fact that something that was, you know, specifically about that geared towards that um, was, you know, I think we saw it as a as an opportunity for us maybe to understand more than maybe what we were getting through, um, you know, the the medical appointments we'd had, um, etc. But um, yeah, I think it was. Um, I mean, how did we come across it? How was it? It was through um, it was through Google, and they sort of found found an article relating to it, and then sort of linked through. So I, I sort of yeah, it was through one of my many searches at the time because mm-hmm. you know, Ivy was basically diagnosed, and we were sort of told, well, you'll have to wait for all the specialist appointments now to come through before you kind of know more, um, and that's how I found out about the Echo study um, because I think it's quite difficult to find reliable information as well that I sort of found that quite difficult that you you know there were a lot of forums and a lot of conversations but because it is so variable it, it's quite difficult for us to know kind of what the future holds I suppose and it, it, so it, it was nice to know that there was this research happening that was yeah. you know was sort of was sort of really looking into it and, and what the effects would be. Okay great and is, is that quite common then Mariana that there's not a huge amount of uh, kind of reliable information out there for for parents who who maybe have a child who's diagnosed with this? Um, 22Q deletion syndrome is, is quite a rare condition. It's estimated to occur at a rate of about 1 in 2,000 to 1 in 4,000. Um, but uh, amongst the genetic syndromes, it is actually one of the most common ones. But uh, like Katie and John, many of the parents that have taken part in our study have told us that there, there just isn't a lot of awareness about the condition. and. Um, that time and again they need to tell everyone around them about it and why um, their child um, 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 is behaving the way it is or um, some of the problems that the child may have been experiencing um, and people often don't understand it and they may need to explain this to their family members, uh, their friends and uh, also later on the the school of the children and and often even uh, to clinicians and um, obviously it's really important to have awareness of the possible outcomes it can help with the early diagnosis and early diagnosis is associated with uh, better opportunities for intervention so um, and john and katie's story is is is, is some uh, is a story that i really recognize from having spoken with other parents in the study okay so you mentioned um early diagnosis then um so guys what, what kind of how did you go about getting a diagnosis for Ivy? What sort of initially prompted you to? Well, initially, um, Ivy was born six weeks early, um, which isn't related to 22Q, but, um, you know, I suppose her her milestones, she had been a little bit late reaching them, but I kind of had put it down to that. But I'd sort of mentioned in passing when I'd gone pop to the GP with something else that she was a little bit late walking. So at that point, I think she was around 19 months. and I think at that point then he noticed that facially that, you know, that there might be, because um, that there are sort of facial characteristics associated with 22Q and he sort of recognised that, so referred her to the paediatrician. Um, and then we went in the summer, didn't we, to the paediatrician who um, could see that her speech was a bit delayed. Um, so just said, well, we'll put her in for this blood test and, you know, just kind of see how it goes. And then the blood test came back in the December. So we... Mm-hmm. We had a few months where, you know, it, we'd sort of put it out of our minds. And I suppose as time went on, as that year went on, we could see that her speech wasn't coming as it should be. That was the main issue really at yeah. that point. Yeah, it was that. And um, I mean, I think it's it's similar with, with a lot of these things that once somebody else has mentioned something, 
you kind of maybe retrospectively start to notice things, um, certainly with the facial characteristics. I think it's something that maybe we had noticed in the past, but hadn't, you know, hadn't it was, it was only when somebody together. actually mentioned it that you think, you know, when you're looking at photos and thinking, I can see. I suppose, yeah, when we could see other children, we could, with, with 22, we could see the similarities, but. Yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing is that, um, I mean, I think everybody, the, the, the one condition that's, I don't want to say similar, but is in the similar ballpark is, is Down syndrome. And a lot of people have heard of that. And I think that's the one of the, the you know, the syndromes, if that's what you want to call it, that people are familiar with. Um, and I, you know, obviously the facial characteristics of 22Q have some similarities to that, but also is it's not as maybe as noticeable. Mm. Um, and it's only then when we saw when we was, you know when she we received the diagnosis diagnosis and we're looking at the literature or the websites and there were pictures of children who also had it that we did then see those those those, yeah. those characteristics. Um, but I mean, with the diagnosis of it, I think when they were doing that blood test, we didn't really know what they were looking for. No, you know, no one said to us this is what we're checking for. And I think possibly that's because they didn't know themselves, but they knew there was something or they thought there might be something. Um, so it was all very vague at that point, wasn't it? it? Was, and, you know, yeah. I suppose you're you're just dealing with life and, you know, sort of just raising your child is sort of, it's not really on your mind at the time. But I think sort of once the diagnosis, I, I suppose as I've sort of thought back over it, she, she was late doing things like sitting up and she was very low down the, the centile um for, for weight and stuff which you know I guess that looking looking at the sort of detail now that retrospectively ties in it does um, and but I think it was shielded to some extent once again because she was premature that you know maybe a lot of it was being put down to that um, but when we were actually given the diagnosis as well I think that rather than 22q the the, the kind of shorthand for um, what she'd been diagnosed with was de George syndrome that was the the, the, the phrase that was used um, and then obviously as, as Katie said you immediately start searching on the internet and like anything the worst case scenarios are always the ones that, that come up so you know you told uh, me not to look but I still had to go yeah Google. well because I'd already I, I'd already looked and was, was like, I, I'm not sure this is going to be particularly helpful until we've had a chance to talk further about it with people who were you know were experts in it or, or knew about it um but yeah, it was it, you know it, it it was a stressful time that anything where there's the unknown, and I think part of that is obviously, um, hopefully what 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 discussions like this and the the work you're doing will will you know help towards other parents maybe having more reliable information rather than just that kind of shock of worst case scenario yes. you know which is is always there at the, on the headlines really um when you do do these searches and i think that was probably the worst time was the was the diagnosis because you kind of sent away and wait for the appointments to come through so march was really busy with having all these appointments and checkups with ivy were actually health-wise she's doing really well so she's really lucky she's her heart is normal and um kidneys she's that's all been checked um, so the, the only sort of um, issue that Ivy has got at the moment is to do with her speech. Um, so she's having um, speech therapy and sort of next year they're looking to do an x-ray because it's likely that she's going to need an operation on her palate. Um, so they're talking about a submucous cleft palate, is that right? Yeah. Um, yes. So 
yeah, you know, she's she's has a she's she's talking now, but she has a problem saying sort of the harder sounds like T's and D's. Um, so she yeah, and so she's using sign language, Makaton sign language alongside her speech to kind of help with that. And then we're trying to keep up with her learning her signs because she's basically learning them faster than us now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I think that that range of um, symptoms, that range of um, you know the effect it can have on on children and people as they get older that that that, that you mentioned, Marianne, is is um, in in a way a reassurance and in a way a worry because once again it's the unknown we we don't know how things will go as as ivy gets older um but i think we both feel that we've been i don't know if lucky's the right word but certainly following the diagnosis certainly the physical aspects of it have been nowhere near as extreme as as unfortunately we know we we know they are for 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 some children um, and I, I do feel lucky that, um, I mean, Cardiff has got a really good um, sort of multidisciplinary team that, that um, sort of when, once you are, once the diagnosis comes in, you go and see them. And so actually, once we did have the appointments with all the clinicians, I, I, I feel very well supported now by all of them. And um, we'll sort of see them once yearly to sort of check that everything sort of is, you know, is as it should be. And then they can refer us if, if stuff does need to be looked at. So I think, yeah, we've come quite a long way in a year from the initial diagnosis, but um, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a stressful time. I it guess. has. I think it's important to say as well that you know what you touched on there about the the support. I certainly don't want it to come across that um, it was a, a negative experience of of going through the process with you know the doctors and the paediatricians. You know, everyone's been been great. I think it is just you know, as we've already dis- discussed. Um, it's one of those conditions it's one of those those things that maybe there isn't a great deal of of information out there even for you know medical professionals at that stage so they're almost playing catch up and sometimes you're going into rooms where you're having to explain to them Mm. um once again you know that's no no fault assigned to that everyone's been Mm. been been you know more than helpful and and we have been referred to the right places and then once obviously we were dealing with that multidisciplinary team who were looking at all the different aspects we felt you know right we're in we're in good hands so it was that we don't have to think about these things now because we know someone else is you know it sort of takes the weight off yeah not having to drive it which is, is is good yeah yeah great great so if we kind of <clears throat> take it back to to the research so so you've 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 taken part in the mm-hmm. echo study can you tell us a little bit about yeah what? so um we brought ivy along for a morning um with the team um and yeah ivy had no idea she was participating in the study just saw it as a really nice opportunity to play didn't mm-hmm. she and she loved all the attention and just really enjoyed herself so um there were various sort of um te- you know sort of it was basically tests through play so things like stacking blocks or um, sort of recognizing um, drawings, so looking at sort of her receptive language, um, things like walking upstairs. I'm trying to think back to yeah. what other stuff we it, did. It was interesting how it was kind of split into the different sections that mm. clearly, um, you know, applied to to her different. Um, I don't know if skill sets is the right phrase, but you know, kind of fine motor skills and then understanding and gross motor skills. Wasn't yeah. It? So yeah, I, you know, we were given a good. Um, kind of run through of 
of of what it was that was being done and why it was was being looked at um and yeah i mean from from uh, as katie said from ivy's point of view i think she um you know she she just enjoyed the fact that she was uh, able to to play with blocks and with <laughs> with toys and, and 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 have a run about and yeah it was it was no certainly no hardship for her and i think we found it quite a i don't know if Pleasant experience is the right way to put it, but certainly it was, you know, it, it, it was, it wasn't a difficult thing for us yeah. to do, and there was certainly no, you know, no negative impact on her. Um, but yeah, once again, I think sitting there and then looking at the things that are being looked at and those different aspects, it, it, it once again helped us to to understand really where the problems might lie, where the, um, you know, where the developmental aspects of it you know might have an impact um which was 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 once again useful um we had um we had a sort of report after it as well um which we found really really useful because um it found that her um expressive language was sort of 13 months behind and um, but her receptive language was actually three months ahead um and that that was quite reassuring for me because I, I suppose i feel you know you, you go into these appointments and you feel like, oh, well, she understands everything that we're saying. And you, you, you sort of feel like you're trying to sort of not lie, but, you know, you, you worry that the, the, you know, the doctors might think, oh, well, you know, might not quite believe what you're saying. Or yeah. it was just quite reassuring to have someone independent sort of back up what <laughs> we kind of felt. Because I think, um, you know, yeah, there's no act- there's no issue with her kind of in her understanding of, of anything. You know, she understands exactly what's going on now, doesn't she? And mm. um, so I think that was really helpful for us. And, and we were able then to sort of pass that report on to the, the team who were sort of um, sort of referring her on. And I think, yeah, they found that really useful to have as in their notes as well. Um, just, yeah, just to know really where where she is with everything and yeah, where she needs to be supported, I suppose. And yeah, no, uh, I completely agree. And I, I think on top of that, then you're aware you're part of a of a study that's doing that bit extra, then to 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 gain a better understanding, you know, publicise um, 22Q um, more. And um, yeah, I, I think it's. I can't think of any. Can you think of any downsides to it? I, no, I mean, I, I think I suppose because when the diagnosis came through as well you there is a feeling of feeling a bit helpless and like what can we do to kind of help so I think from from our point of view as well it was nice to feel that we were kind of you know doing something proactive really that can sort of benefit you know because it will have a benefit to Ivy the more of an understanding there is about the condition so yeah you know I think that was that was really helpful for us yeah and I think you don't you know going back to the, the comparison aspect of it you don't want to every parent compares their child to other other children um and i think sometimes it's it's difficult when you're seeing children who maybe it's not a level playing field i think that's the first thing that we had to understand mm. that there was no point us looking at other children who didn't have 22q and comparing where ivy was and what she was doing uh, with them um so being able to have a study that showed where she was amongst other children within that study um, was really useful as well and I think helps with with your not your expectations but your your perspective on um, you know where she is and how she's doing because um, yeah once again there's nothing out there on the on the internet I mean there, there isn't generally anyway there's 
I'm not gonna there's there's one I say awful website. There's one website that I think everybody's aware of that parents often go on where it's just a you know, kind of comparison, an opportunity for, for people to compare their children. Which we were on there. from day one of Ivy being born, and I think yeah. most parents are. And I think they do. <laughs> I, yeah, as I said, I won't I won't name it, but I think everybody knows knows the uh, the website. And um I think understanding that there's there's no benefit on on going on on those anymore um and that but then having an outlet to to be able to have a bit of insight into how your children's doing amongst um you know a similar a similar group of children is is really useful and and can act as a as a reassurance um you know i think going back to how it I think there's a certain amount of not guilt involved, but there's a certain amount of you don't want to feel s- smug or self-satisfied that your child is seems to be certainly on the physical side of things not as badly affected as some children are, um, and I think because once again the information that's out there normally is more towards the severe end of of of, of the diagnosis it's in some ways even harder to get a grasp of how concerned you should be or how active you should be. I mean, if, say, for example, that that doctor hadn't noticed the facial characteristics, mm. would we even be in a situation where we were aware of, of, of her condition? Um, and that might be the case for, for other people who've, who, whose children's symptoms are, are mild, even milder maybe than, than Ivy's have been whether it's going to be something they they notice until till much later on i mean some of the the things we've we've read were adults realizing you know later in life that they've had you know they 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 have 22q and it's been described as almost like a revelation for them that they've said right i've always found this difficult or that difficult and finally that makes sense so yeah, it's. I mean, I mean, the reason I bring that up is because maybe some people listening to, the, to 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 these kind of podcasts or these kind of discussions who have had a diagnosis are thinking, well, that's so different to our experience, and it it, it probably mm. will be. And I think that's the, the thing that people, or certainly for us, it's been grasping is that there's such, as as Marianne said earlier, such a diverse mm. range of symptoms and and effects of it, um, and I. I suppose my question would be, how do you think that's going to change in future? I mean, with the research, how do you think, do you think you'll be able to narrow that down to other contributing factors? I suppose that's the goal anyway. Yes, um, I think up until quite recently, the, the studies that have been done on 22Q uh, have been quite small. Uh, and therefore it has been quite difficult to say much about the findings with great certainty. And one of the um, um, aims of our study was to bring together quite a large sample um, and um, uh, for this sample to be large enough that we can look at toddlers, quite a large group of toddlers, and then um, a a second component of our study is children and adolescents and then adults as well. And we also try to follow uh, the children over time so that we know um, how their development changes from childhood into adolescence and then into adulthood. 
and we hope that that will address some of the questions you were mentioning as well the questions around uh, what will happen when my child grows older and what will happen when they are an, an adult will they be um, able to take care of themselves will they um, have an interesting profession and what about their physical health and, and potential uh, mental health um, and um, so we do really hope, because you are right, um, it is true that there is still not enough um, for clinicians and parents to go by. Um, and um, with larger studies and being able to um, describe the findings in uh, relatively large groups of uh, young people, but of a limited age range, I think it will be, become easier to start to address these questions. And then the second step, of course, needs to be to make sure that these findings are spread as widely as possible so that everyone is aware of them. I also found it very interesting that you mentioned the internet quite a lot. Um, and when we started our study, we were particularly interested in um, using a very detailed study design, as you were mentioning about um, the study that Ivy has taken place uh, a part in, where we try to look at the whole range of different outcomes and also aim to better understand how outcomes hang together and whether the presence of some outcomes means that there is an increased risk of other outcomes, for example. Um, and um, we um, lost my <laughs> track of thought. <laughs> okay. Um, so what was your question? <laughs> I think, yeah, it was just mainly about the um, how when you're looking at those diverse um, symptoms that you mentioned and the, the, the kind of diverse effects on children and adults um, whether you think that the study will eventually in some way narrow those down and just yes. how, how that works with other factors kind of what, what other factors are then looked at yes yeah, so that, that's the question about uh, the great variability and ultimately better able uh, for us hoping to better be able to understand this this variability. Um, so we do know that the, the deletion is a risk, fa risk factor for a range of outcomes. But uh, for example, in our study, we have found that about 50% um, of the children have uh, a month psychiatric disorder, um, a little over 54%. Um, but that also means that about half of the children don't develop psychiatric conditions. And as I mentioned earlier, they all have more or less the same size deletion. So why is this? If this deletion is such a strong risk factor, why is there this variability? Um, <clears throat> and um, we are starting to get some indications of why this might be, because in uh, genetics research of psychiatric disorder, it is becoming increasingly clear that an individual's risk um, at the genetic level um, is probably determined by many, many, um, really more than 100, maybe 200 individual risk genes, each of them <clears throat> having just a very, very small effect. Um, and some individu individuals will have more and more of those genes and very, very slowly that can increase their risk of um, developing a, a, a psychiatric disorder. It is therefore possible that children with the deletion um, who do develop psychiatric disorders may just have a higher background of all those other individual risk genes and that is a possibility that we are, are currently looking into um, but we also know from psychiatric research that environmental risk factors are very important as well and with regards to 22q deletion we do know that the children um, have a higher risk of autism so that is a an, an, an psychiatric disorder which influences your ability to to share emotions with others and to communicate with others, interact with others. 
that could mean that you uh, struggle a bit more on developing friendships. Um, and we certainly know that some of the children in our study um, are bullied, have been bullied. And we know that that is a very stressful uh, life event that for could increase your risk of um, be becoming anxious, developing psychiatric conditions. So we think the answer probably lies in an interaction with, between uh, other uh, genetic background factors and environmental risk factors in addition to already being a bit more genetically vulnerable because of the deletion. Right. No, and I think, yeah, that that is, and that, I, I think that leads on to the, the other concern, obviously, you, you have as a parent is whether you're doing enough when you talk about kind of the external um, um, impact of, of, of things on, on children with that. How, you know, what do we do? How do we best support um, IV? Um, you know, based on the diagnosis she's had and based on the specifics of, of how it seems to have uh, affected her. And I think that's something we constantly do worry about and will worry about over, over time. And I think the, the mental health aspects, in a way, um, are, are, you know, the, it's the most unknown thing, isn't it? Because it's, it's very hard to, I suppose, if, you know, if, if there's a physical issue, then you know that, you know, get stuff in place and it can be sorted. But the, the mental health side... It is a big worry for me because I think, I suppose it, it's making sure that further down the line people are aware of, if that does happen, that people are aware of her condition. So, you know, you you want to make sure that the support is in place as soon as it could be. Um, and that, that, I suppose, the more knowledge there is about it, the, the better, really. Mm -hmm. um, and there is that balance as well of, of not wanting to, to, to kind of stigmatise anything in, in advance I mean it, it's almost that thing of not wanting to put a label on on IV kind of in in advance of her displaying any of these symptoms so as you yes, said it's that, that balance, balance between wanting people to be aware but also if there's not the necessity for it people not having a kind of preconceived notion of her level of abilities or or how to interact with her um uh, yeah, I suppose the main thing is how how any any of these these problems may manifest themselves as well, and how you know what we're keeping an eye out for, um, and obviously you're getting into very different areas of of um, you know of, of of the process then, and of of diagnosis because you're dealing with different conditions as you, you kind of mentioned schizophrenia. You're then having to look into you know schizophrenia as its own kind of separate discipline, and how that how that may you know show itself. Um, so it is a lot to think about, but I, I think also you do have your moments where you step back and think, well, you know, we we will play as this leads. We'll we'll see how see see how it goes and see how how she develops. And you know, the main thing is obviously once again is for for any parent is that your child's happy and healthy and is uh, you know doing as, as as well as she can with our support. Mm. Yeah, and enjoying seeing her develop. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. that's one of the joys of parenting. Yeah, yeah. And she is. Yeah, she's a really happy little girl, and um, you know, she she goes to nursery, and she she's got yeah grandparents around who are spoiler rotten. So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's doing really well. I think it is that balance, I suppose, between you want to know you want to know enough to support her without knowing so much that it's gonna start freaking you out or you start you know overthinking things 
um, I think the Max Appeal website is another website actually there were sort of two sources for me really and it was the echo study and the research that you've got up on the website was fantastic um, and I still go back to that now really um, to sort of look at it um, and the Max Appeal website as well which I know you, you work closely with them and, yes. and they've provided really good support and it's probably the um, sort of those the two places really that I found I could get sort of reliable information and sort of a bit more extensive information as well really yeah, yeah. So. I do um, we um, I do think that uh, the internet is an important resource mm, for parents absolutely. because you you have so many questions particularly probably shortly after the diagnosis when most parents themselves have not ever heard of this mm. syndrome yet and you, you need a place to go um, but um, it is definitely also um, important that the, the websites that parents visit are um, websites where the information is reliable and it's expert um, information and um, it is not a source of, of, of worrying and of, um, of, of distress for parents. Mm. Um, we, uh, we have um, we started our study because we were so interested in the range of outcomes associated with the syndrome and better understanding how and what the biological underpinnings of those outcomes were. But having um, seen so many parents and learned so much about their experiences, their everyday experiences, and also um, their experiences with um, the clinical support they are getting, we became uh, much uh, quite interested in that aspect as well. Mm. And um, we are now uh, conducting studies to better understand these experiences. But one study that we have completed already involved an, uh, inter an internet survey of parents and we asked them um, how they first learned about the different aspects of the condition. And um, we, uh, we asked about physical health um, effects and uh, also uh, developmental and learning and then uh, psychiatric outcomes. And um, uh, the, most of the parents learned about the physical health outcomes and the developmental and the learning processes uh, through their clinicians. But we did find that with respect to um, psychiatric, um, um, possible psychiatric outcomes, that um, it, it was mostly the internet. And um, we are hoping that this can be addressed and we, we, we are trying to increase awareness of these findings because um, psychiatric conditions are very, very complex and, and, and they're difficult to get your head around, particularly um, uh, schizophrenia, which is one of the, the most complicated um, psychiatric conditions. And it, it's just not an optimal situation to um, sit behind your computer in your own home and to learn more about uh, a condition like schizophrenia. It is uh, much more appropriate to be able to sit down with someone who knows a lot about it and ask those specific questions and hopefully also for that expert to be able to um, alleviate uh, some of your worries. So how have um, you sort of talking there about sort of getting that research out there, how have you been sort of, um, how have you been sort of communicating that to clinicians? Uh, we uh, recruit um, participants for our studies from all of the medical genetics clinics in the UK as well as through charities, uh, as you were mentioning, and uh, families and adults also co just contact us directly through our website and our email. Um, and um, we um, therefore 
have all those links with the genetics clinics and we are quite regularly invited to come and uh, to present at those clinics to a whole range of uh, different experts, uh, geneticists and genetics counselors and pediatricians and so on. We've also presented uh, at meetings for pediatricians um, and we've also held several um, uh, days here at the Hayden Ellis building here at Cardiff University for um, families and patient and support groups. Um, and um, in addition to that, we also try and reach out through uh, the press and media to increase understanding uh, amongst the general public as well. Um, I had just a question about the, the classification of it. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, a lot of the descriptions you, you see um, when looking on the internet still use the phrase um, de George syndrome. Is that still a, I mean, and everything we've seen more recently when we've talked to to people who, you know, are, are experts in the field, refers to the the condition as twenty two Q. Is there a distinction between those two? And the uh, condition has been known under uh, quite a few different names, and um, this is because it's such um, uh, varied in its presentation. Mm. And so cardiologists would know it because of the the heart defects that can be associated with it, and uh, immunologists knew it for different reasons. And so um, over time, um, it has taken quite a while for all the experts to start to realize they're actually all the same thing. And it, the underlying reason is this small deletion on chromosome 22. Um, most recently, um, until it was referred to as 22Q on 1.2 deletion syndrome, it was known as velofacial cardio syndrome. Um, but now I think everyone is referring to it as being 22Q uh, deletion syndrome and that really helps because it, it, it reduces the confusion around um, the terminology. Right. And do you think awareness is increasing of it, you know, parents that you're seeing now compared to maybe a, a few years ago, do you think, do you, do you think, it, you know, um, yeah, do you think awareness is being raised of it now amongst um, doctors? I think it should be because there have been a number of initiatives. Certainly some of the charities are working extremely hard, um, um, but there also now is an, a 22Q International Research Consortium um, and it is bringing, it has brought together 22 uh, research sites um, and clinical sites um, and it has brought together a large sample of individuals with 22Q deletion. Um, there are regular publications from this and that does um, increase understanding within the scientific community and the results will also trickle down uh, um, to uh, parents and to clinicians and so on. Um, it, um, increasingly in the UK children and uh, well, babies and children with developmental issues and um, uh, possibly with uh, certain uh, physical health problems uh, are developmental delay, delay, they are now referred for genetic testing and there is therefore an increasing number of um, particularly young children who are now diagnosed with these types of genetic syndromes um, and relatively speaking 22Q is in a somewhat better position because there has been uh, clinical awareness of it for uh, a number of, for tens of years, some of the other conditions. Um, are, are much newer and, and uh, parents with a child with those conditions um, have even less to go by. Mm -hmm. And in a way I do see the research in 22Q deletion as a trailblazer um, for, for the other conditions and I hope that ultimately we will uh, learn more about the other conditions as well to help those parents. And certainly we, we are trying to do so because we have extended our study to include some of these other conditions now. 
do, 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 I know this kind of episode's about 22 cubes. Do you want to just briefly mention some of those other conditions? Um, yes, there are uh, a number of other conditions. Uh, well, first of all, uh, probably I should mention there is also duplication of 22Q um, right. deletion region. Um, so this is actually the, the opposite of the deletion because um, rather than um, a deletion of approximately 40 genes, um, individuals with duplication syndrome have an extra 40 genes on one of their chromosomes, 22. Um, and, and you would think that the outcome, um, the clinical outcomes of um, a duplication would be quite different from a deletion, but that's not what we are generally finding. We're finding that there is uh, still evidence of um, developmental delay and a risk of, uh, of uh, certain psychiatric problems, but maybe not all the different outcomes, not all the different psychiatric outcomes. There might be a reduced risk of schizophrenia associated with the duplication. Um, and we also study um, deletions and duplications on several other chromosomes, like chromosome 1, uh, 15 and 16. And ultimately what we hope to do is to compare all those groups of patients so that we will better understand to what extent the whole range of outcomes is similar across many of these conditions and to what extent we can talk about very syndrome-specific outcomes. And that will be important, I think, because it will help determine what the best intervention strategies should be. Is it appropriate uh, and, and desirable to have similar interventions across the whole range of different conditions? Because generally the outcomes are the same. Or is it better to have uh, specific interventions depending on which genetic syndrome the child has? But we also think that by comparing the groups, we will ultimately get a better understanding of how deletion and duplication of specific genes on specific chromosomes leads to different outcomes and thus to start to get at the biological basis of risk of um, learning difficulties and developmental delay and psychiatric outcome. Okay. So I guess that's the kind of the the real future focus of the the research here in, in Cardiff then in, in this re respect to genetic syndromes? This is definitely uh, one of the um, I would call it main future aims, although we've already started it and we have a, a paper in preparation that will describe comparisons between the different groups. Uh, one of the other um, future components of our study is the neuroimaging aspect. We work very closely together with the researchers in the Cardiff University Kubrick Center and a number of um, uh, the families in our study with, with a child with 22Q deletion syndrome and some other syndromes have already taken uh, part in our neuro neuroimaging study. And this will allow us to look at um, the way the, the brains look of, of these children and also how the brains work when they complete uh, tasks. And we hope that that information will also contribute towards better understanding the variability in the outcomes again, and particularly the variability in the uh, developmental and the uh, learning and thinking processes and in the risk of psychiatric disorder. Sounds very like a quite quite an exciting sort of future for for the research. Then, um, so Katie and John, do you have any um, any kind of uh, feelings on the the kinds of research that you would like to see in twenty two Q specifically? I suppose it's it's kind of what we've we've said in terms of you know for for us it's about knowing because I I think you know what a lot of people seem to say with with twenty two Q it is very much sort of a crystal ball type thing that you don't really know 
you know what what's kind of coming up and and in in terms of you know how it's going to affect someone during their life so i suppose it's for us it's just you know i, I suppose it's it's knowing kind of if we had more information about oh well you know she's kind of got these symptoms to it you know potentially it could lead to this I suppose it's knowing where we kind of need to be prepared and where we need to sort of push for support if if we feel that we're not getting it I I think um you know that's kind of what I'm I'm that we're kind of thinking of now because I suppose we're we're looking now to when she's kind of going to be going to school and stuff like that um and it's just about I suppose the more information that we have to sort of to be able to tell teachers and and sort of make sure that that support is in place for her then the better she's going to do really Mm. um and you know I think I feel very lucky now that she has been diagnosed so early that we're able to start thinking about that and start putting those things in place but it's really exciting thinking about the research that's happening and thinking about how um you know the the, you know the future is it is looking bright and it is 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 going to mean that there's going to be more knowledge and more awareness of it so I think you know I find that really comforting Mm. Um, in terms of, because I know Ivy's been seen now when she was two, is it the case then that you would sort of come back to us maybe further down the line and, and sort of sort of see Ivy again? Is, is that what you do with people who are involved in the study? Yes, the, the, the toddler study that Ivy took part in is, is quite a new uh, study. Um, mm. it, it's doing really well and we're already starting to um, um, gain a greater understanding of um, uh, what the deletion means uh, when children are really really young Um, up till quite recently we started um, studying children when they were six years old and then all the way up till 18 years old but we started wondering whether some of the um, outcomes we saw in those children whether there might be um, beginnings of this already present earlier onwards in, in, in the toddler stages so we are really excited about this this extension um and um, in the child and adolescent study we do try to see um, everyone uh, every two and a half years this allows us to um, follow children over childhood and then into early adolescence which is a really important transition stage and then to through um, adolescence and quite a few of the older children in our study are now in uh, early adulthood as well and we will um, be gaining very in, in important uh, findings from this. We're already starting to, to do. And definitely we hope to link in the toddler study um, into the child study now as well and to be able to follow the toddlers into childhood and then further on as well. And um, uh, we are just really grateful for uh, the fact that uh, so many parents are taking part in our study and are helping us to uh, gain better understanding of the deletion. No, well, I think it's, it's, it's good for for us as parents as well once you understand how um almost bespoke the, the treatment is going to need to be and and the understanding of, of each um each child has to be and and you understand the difficulties that go hand in hand with that the fact that you know something will be ongoing and there will be that you know something hopefully we can draw from as well as well as you know obviously that being of, of, of benefit to, to research which which is important but also for us I think the worry is always that at some point things are going to go quiet and you're effectively left on your own um, to, to deal with it so just knowing that that obviously alongside her ongoing consultations with with, with specialists through the medical side and and and, and um, through the through the NHS you know I think that's uh, that, that acts as a reassurance for us. Mm. Definitely. 
And so, Marian, is the is the study still open to new new participants? Absolutely, we uh, we are still um, going strong um, in on, in all three, uh, three different components of our study: the toddler study, the child and adolescent study, and the adult study as well. And so, uh, we are welcoming uh, new participants. Okay, great. So, what we'll do, we'll put the all of the kind of research papers that we've discussed in in this episode, the links to some of the the support charities like Max Appeal and some sites where you can get some reliable information on 22Q, we'll put on the episode page for this podcast. Um, we can also add the details of how you can contact Mariana's team to, to get involved in, in this research. Um, so you'll, you'll find that page at ncmh.info forward slash podcast. It'll be the, the most recent episode on there. Um, and yeah, it'll have all of the information. Um, so I'd just like to kind of thank thank all of you for, for coming in today to, to talk about this with us. Um, I hope you've kind of uh, enjoyed having the opportunity to, to talk about your research and talk about your experiences yeah, with Ivy. Yeah, it's been really, really yeah. interesting. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very much. much. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, it would be really, really, really helpful for us if you could rate or review us wherever you've listened to it today. Thanks, and we'll speak to you again soon. Mm-hmm.